Just kidding. You can use it. Oh, All right. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> um, testing. Is this thing on? There we go. I think. Okay. How's everybody doing this morning? I was thinking before I got up here that I would just say, yo, everybody, and I see how that landed, but then I decided against it. So just you're welcome for that. Um, we have, uh, we have this, this year, we've been focusing a lot on Jesus, as Alex was talking about, but little, like, kind of a little disclaimer. We're not, like, looking back. So this isn't the type of thing where you're like, oh, hey, cool, I came this Sunday, so I got to skip the last, you know, six months of sermon. This is what, what we're trying to do is to kind of, like, maybe fill in a gap a little bit that, that we've both felt like needed to be filled. But before we get too far along, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the VBS that we had this week. I know we've mentioned it before. I know that it's, uh, a lot of people know about it. But we had one uh, parent, like not even at church here, a coworker of somebody else tell this person like, your church does a fantastic VBS. In fact, the text I got forwarded had three wows. It was a three-wow VBS. And they said that their daughter was just so bummed that it was over. So I know it takes a lot of manpower. I know it, it takes a big deal to, to make everything happen. But it was really, really good. And so I want you to know that your efforts aren't just, it's not just, not that this is bad, but it's not just for our children. It's not just for the community children. That is kind of a light and an example in this community. So your efforts, taking care of preschoolers, taking care of first, second, through fifth graders or whatever it was, are making an impact on this community. That's a pretty big deal. And even if you didn't help out with VBS, you're part of a church who's having an impact on this community. And guess what? Next year you can pitch in, and we would love to have you help. So uh, I just wanted to talk to you about that a little bit. Um, and, and before you go on, I want to point out that Leon called that a preacher's count. That's actually a very conservative count, Leon. <laughs> so we had 148 kids that registered online, and I know that Robin was sitting in there just checking people off and writing names down as we went. So my guess is we were closer to 160, but I am preaching this morning too, so I, I don't know if that... Leon being all pessimistic, so... Um, just so you know, we're not going to be using the screens this morning. We're working on our tech here, so you're not going to see anything up there. So guess what? You get to open up your Bibles the old-fashioned way. I'm sure it'll be interesting. You'll have to crack that thing open, dust it off a little bit, and actually use the, uh, the index to see where some of those books are that you haven't looked up in a while. But that's, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. So this week, I have been kind of doing an informal poll of, uh, of people I know and people who are in my vicinity asking this question. And the question is, if you could change one misconception that a large group of people have, um, what would it be? Like if you could just snap your fingers and you could educate a bunch of people about one kind of thing that just sort of drives you nuts about our society, about our world, about the Christians or whatever it is, what would it be? And I got some really, really good um, reactions. Um, I, and, and, and some of these are, like for me, it would be, it involved traffic. If I could snap my fingers and fix one thing, it'd involve traffic. And you know what I would fix? And I'm actually using this as an opportunity. It's a little PSA for our church here. This is what I would fix if I could fix traffic. The left lane is for passing. All right? If you turn your blinker on on the highway and get in the left lane, you better be passing a semi and then getting back in the right lane. You better not just be sitting there doing whatever, brushing your teeth, reading your Bible, whatever people do in cars when they're just like going along at 45 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone. This is a big deal. Do you know the problems this would solve in our world? There would be world peace. Everybody would be happy if you just got back over into the right lane. You know why? Because then the flow of traffic would be good. Now, some of you are like, what is this left lane stuff? 
come on, did you not go to driver's ed? Did you not take the driver's license test? They talked about this in there. And if you didn't, you need to go back and look it up because you've got to get back in the right lane. Now, you think I'm a little worked up about this as if it's not a big deal. But I guarantee you, I have sinned because someone <laughs> didn't get back in the right lane. And that sin is not my fault. That is their fault. It's not me. It's them. Just kidding. It's me. I think we might need to address that in a minute. <laughs> I'll come forward after the sermon. All right. Uh, one person I asked, they said, related to traffic as well, they said if they could fix one thing, they would make a bumper sticker that says, it's called a zipper merge. Google it. And some of you are wondering what a zipper merge is. Google it. Welcome to Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, one person, this is not traffic, one person uh, who shall remain anonymous said, ministers' wives aren't better at loving Jesus than anybody else. I think it might have been Lindsay. No, it wasn't Lindsay. My wife, I guess, wants you to know, like, she's not a super Christian because she's married to me. Although you would think so, right? Just look at me, right? Just kidding. Um, this is a really good one. This is for some of you here. This is what they would fix, a misconception they would fix. Just because someone works in customer service is not a license to be rude to them. Oh, that's all serious now. Everybody's yeah. like, yeah, that's right. Change that's it. Tone. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, uh, the other misconception I heard, this is kind of interesting, they would, they would let everybody in America know that guess what? And this is true. America does not have an official language. English is not our official language. So when people are like, you're in America, learn English. No, we don't have an official language. You can speak whatever language you want here. So, in fact, you should maybe learn a second or third language. That would be probably helpful a little bit. Oh, broaden your horizons a little bit. Um, I actually, Jordan told me the misconception he would change too. Um, and what he would change is he would let everybody know that he's not really an introvert. And he wants everybody to come to his house this afternoon. So that's what... That's what he would change. And you got a lot of stuff to repent of after this sermon. <laughs> That's not true. Those of you that don't know Jordan, that he does not want you to come to his house this afternoon. <laughs> Although he would put on a good face if you opened the door and you were there. He'd be like, oh, good to, good to see you. Um, if you need to come to my house, you're welcome at my house. But if you don't need to, then let's, let's not push things. Then don't. Um, this year, like we've said, our messages have been really focused on Jesus. And I know that seems like a ridiculous thing to say at church. Like, hey, guess what church? We're talking about Jesus. We are a church of Christ. It's <laughs> in are, our name. <laughs> but we have been doing that because we, like, emphasizing this concept. Because it is, you've probably sat in sermons and you've, like, gone all the way through the sermon. And you're like, where was Jesus in that? Like, what, what, was, what, was, the, what was the focus? And we've been, every sermon we've been doing this year, we've been trying to, like, emphasize Jesus. So if, if you've been with us, you may remember all the way back to January where we did who, who is My Neighbor or Won't You Be My Neighbor. And remember, I got up here and tried to dress like Mr. Rogers, but I had my buttons all wonky, right? You remember that? Um, some of you evidently don't remember that. It was embarrassing for me, but that's good that you don't remember it. Shouldn't have brought it up. Um, we also talked about the, the wonder of Jesus, how if we were interacting with Jesus, we would have just been amazed by his teaching, by the miracles, just by his power. We would have been amazed by those things. Uh, we talked about Jesus' light, how we take these really 
big, important sayings of Jesus, and we minimize them, and we make them something that don't really have to impact our life. We don't really have to change what we're doing, uh, even though Jesus said things like, love your enemies, turn the other cheek. Well, he didn't mean that person. He didn't mean that situation. He didn't mean that, uh, that scenario. Just generally, right? That's a good thing. But how we as Christians sometimes take Jesus' teaching, we minimize them, make them something that, that don't really matter. So we have been doing this. We've been doing this uh, interaction or thinking about Jesus because we don't believe that we get Jesus as Christians, that we get Jesus and that we move on to something deeper. We believe, and I'll speak for Jordan here. Jordan's up here too, so you know we agree. We believe that Jesus is deeper. We believe that Jesus is deeper. You don't get Jesus and then move on to like, let's get to the meat. Jesus is the meat. We don't believe that we just like read about Jesus, we learn about the gospel, and that we move on. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about really important things. Jesus is the really important thing. And it's important that we as a church know that. It's important that we as a church agree with that, because you're going to hear a lot about Jesus in our sermons. And we never want you to sit there and say, Jesus again? Yeah, like Jordan said, we're a church of Christ. And that's what we're, that's what we're all about. So... In light of that, we have been asking this question, and there's a reason Jordan's up here. We'll get to that in a second. He's not just to give color commentary on things I say. I'm just here to agree with Patrick. That's... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but in light of that, we've been talking about this idea, like if Jordan and I specifically, and we've asked other people this question too, if we could change one misconception that people have about Jesus, what would, we, what would it be? If we could snap our fingers and we could say one thing that we would just love the world to just change their mind about Jesus, what would it be? And, and the, the answer that we each came up with, we came up with different answers, believe it or not, um, is are things that we have wrestled with, things that we have struggled with, things that we have come to terms with and that we are still trying to learn and live out in our lives. So that's what we've been doing. Um, and, and Jordan and I do have different answers, but believe it or not, they both came from the same section of Scripture. And I thought that was cool. And so I thought it would be important for Jordan and I to kind of share our thoughts a little bit about that as we, as we talk about this idea. So to start off with, Jordan's going to start off us with his idea, but I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. I know it's been a while because we always have it on the screen, which we don't today. But I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of John, chapter 14. By the way, the last two weeks, we've been in John chapter 14 as well. So there's a reason that we're thinking about these things. John chapter 14 and then verse 1. Just a really simple verse. John chapter 14 and verse 1. It says this. this we usually move through this verse real quickly to get on to the next part. But we want to look at verse 1. It says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now we know a little bit of what he says after that, but we want to look specifically at what John 14 verse 1 says. So the first misconception that I think our church and that I need to wrestle with a little bit is simply this. Jesus isn't something to be believed in, but someone to be known. Jesus isn't something to be believed in, but someone to be known. Now, looking back at that verse, believe in God. Believe also in me. It seems fairly obvious that we should believe in Jesus, right? Like, it's, it's part of who we are as people. We believe in Jesus. But I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking... You know, what, what if God is not someone that we, we intellectually know, but what if God is, is someone we relationally know? 
My sister and her husband were recently given the opportunity to go to San Francisco for game one of the NBA Finals. And they were so excited. They, they fly into the airport. And as they're sitting in the airport, they see a guy named Mark Jackson. Does anybody know who that is? He was the coach of the Warriors before, Mark ja- before Steve Kerr was. And Do you so- guys know who the Warriors are? Yeah, we're pretending. You guys know who Secret? We're a very yeah, small the, audience, very small Warriors, target demographic yeah, here. Yeah, so, okay, good. <laughs> so the Warriors just won the NBA Finals. My sister is a big Warriors Blank fan. Blank stares. Yeah, I know. So it's basketball. And so, yeah. We're, we're yeah. coming back. There's yeah, this, we're getting there. There's this orange ball that you try to put through an orange circle. It's really fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> there you, there yeah. you go. Listen, this hockey state's been talking a lot about basketball the last couple of weeks, so uh, for whatever that's worth. But my sister and her husband see this guy that's a celebrity named Mark Jackson sitting in a cafe, and they see some fans walk up, and they say, hey, it's Mark Jackson, let's go talk to him. And they walk up, not my sister, these other people walk up to Mark Jackson And they introduce themselves, and he stands up and starts yelling at them, You don't know me! Which isn't a good first encounter, I I get that. Jordan's going to do that if you knock on his door today. You don't know me. That's right. You don't know me. And he probably said some other things in there. But I was thinking about that, and she was telling me about it a little bit, and I was like, well, the, the problem is, you don't know him. You approach somebody thinking that you know all about this person, that you know all about who they are. And the reality of the situation is you don't. And sometimes I think we do something similar with Jesus. We know all the stories about Jesus, but do we really know him? And I think there's a greater value in knowing Christ than there is in believing he exists. Right? Like demons believe Jesus exists. And they shudder, but they don't know him. I hate it when, when I, in my own life, have reduced Christianity, the following of Jesus, to a purely mental exercise. And I do this a lot. I've come up with clever slogans to explain what it is to follow Jesus, what that looks like in my life. And a lot of it comes down to the idea that I have to believe the right things about Jesus. I believe the right nature of Jesus. I believe he is God. And that's really important. It really is. But it's not as close as knowing him. I believe in the proper interpretation of certain texts. And so I get up here and I preach about this is the way we should understand this. I believe in baptism. I believe in a lot of things that are tied to Jesus. But the problem is I'm tired of believing in Jesus and would rather just know him. Because to know him is to make all of those beliefs real. It's much deeper knowing. When I read this passage in John 14, what I see is Jesus is talking to people who actually already do know him. He's talking to his disciples who have been with him, who have followed him, and he's saying, now believe in me. You've seen all this stuff, believe in me. And actually in verse 6, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father. Jesus is saying, "There's believe in me, yes. But more importantly, know me. I am tired of believing in Jesus and would rather know him. 
I'm tired of following the rules for what it looks like to be a Christian and would rather just follow Jesus. And those aren't at odds. But instead of looking at the rules, let's look at the one who told us the rules. I'm tired of looking at the Bible and ready to follow the one that the Bible is pointing us to. And so, as we think about a common misconception, the one that I just have to get to is the place where I recognize that Jesus isn't simply something to be believed in, but he is someone to be known. And so, as a church and as a people, I think we have an obligation to know Jesus. So, that's the common misconception I have. Patrick, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so uh, the thing that, well, he was talking, it made me think of the verse in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, yeah, where it talks yeah. about Paul saying, look, I would rather, I, everything in my life is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. Here is yeah. a disciple of Jesus, someone who is, seems to be pretty good at being a disciple, pretty good at being a follower, and he says, the primary pursuit of my life is knowing Jesus. And that's actually not uh, out of character for God. All the way back in the book of Jeremiah, verse 9, you may remember this passage where he talks about, hey, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom or the rich man boast in his wealth, but the person that boasts, let him boast that he knows me, that he knows I'm loving, that he knows I'm kind, that he knows I'm gracious. That's what God wants from us is this, this relationship, and it is easy for us to be tempted to just learn about Jesus and not learn Jesus and know Jesus. And for some of you, you may feel like, well, that's kind of splitting hairs, but, but you know that's not true in some of your relationships. And I want to build on this in, in the misconception that I would like to deal with and the thing that I'm really working on is, is this idea um, of knowing versus, versus believing. But like if we know Jesus, what are we going to know? So for example, like my wife, um, there's a very short flow chart when it comes to what kind of movies my wife will like and dislike. And I know this. I know this because after, you know, 18 years, I begin to put the pieces together here and there. I begin to pick up on the subtle clues with her saying, I do not want to watch that. So, for example, um, my wife hates, I think I could use that word, hates movies that have aliens in them. Some of you are like, yep, I get it. So for her, the flow chart is, do you want to watch a movie? The question, does it have aliens? Yes, then no, I don't want to watch the movie. Like, that's pretty, like, so I don't have to go to her and say, hey, honey, do you want to watch Independence Day? Does it have aliens? Mm, yes. I sometimes, well, I don't lie to her, but sometimes I say things like, well, they're not really aliens. They're from a different planet, but they look like, you know, and that doesn't, it just doesn't matter. If they're not from Earth, she doesn't want to watch the movie. I don't have to go to her and say, hey, honey, do you want to watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No, she does not want to watch a movie. I know this because I know her. I don't have to go to her with every question about alien movies, right? And, and the big one, hey, honey, do you want to watch the movie Alien? No. <laughs> it's like right there in the title. Kareen does not like this movie. That's the title of the movie, basically. Because I know her. I know about her. This and, is making me want to question whether Lindsay's list of movies or Kareen's is longer. Because mm -hmm. I, I think they're both incredibly, incredibly short lists. Well, Kareen has about three movies she does like. And I'll make sure you talk to her afterwards about yeah, what those no, are. I think we need to have that conversation. That would be interesting. See what the Venn diagram is there. Um, but because I know Kareen, I don't have to ask, There's a lot of things like that. I don't have to ask her questions because I already know the answer, right? And 
Honestly, husbands, wives, is it not even a little insulting after years of knowing someone if you ask a question that kind of reveals that you don't know them? You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, do you want to go eat at McDonald's? No, I hate McDonald's. Why would you ask that? And then it brings up this whole huge thing, and you're just like, I just asked if you want to eat at McDonald's, and all of a sudden it's like, you don't even know me. Or I have this last 18 years? No, my wife's never done any of that, but it's insulting. So if you know Jesus, this is the misconception I would deal with. If you know Jesus, it becomes overwhelmingly apparent in the Gospels and in Paul's explanation of who Jesus is. And this is important to me, so... If you know Jesus, you will know that loving people is not on Jesus' to-do list. Loving people is his to-do list. It's not part of what he wants you to do. Now, for some of you, you are going to feel like I am overstating the case because you can go to the Gospels. You can say, well, Jesus said, keep my commands. And Jesus said, he talked about, but everything Jesus talked about boiled down to this. And every time Jesus came into a room, it boiled down to this. And every time Jesus saw a problem, it came down to this, where Jesus was correcting this idea that you are not loving people. You are not being kind to people. You are not being gracious to people. And that is a problem. You as Pharisees, you're representing God, but you're being unloving. And that is a problem. I think Jesus, the misconception that I would deal with is that loving people is one of the things we do. Loving people is the thing we do. And some of you are like, whoa, there's two commands, the greatest of which is love God. The second is like it, love people. So you got to love God first, then love people. But if you hear John, the apostle John, talk about this, you know what he said? He said, you cannot love God if you're not loving people. He put those two commandments together in a way that we cannot separate. And we cannot feel good about ourselves because we're over here loving God and not loving people. He does not allow that. Those two things cannot coexist in a person. And it's important that we understand that. And so our bias, our goal, our, uh, the lens through which we view everything is, is this loving? And that is a tough question. That is a hard question because being loving isn't always the same thing as being nice. Being loving isn't always the same thing as just letting people do what they want to do, letting people say what they want to say. Being loving sometimes takes a stand. Being loving sometimes is harsh. Being loving sometimes calls people out for their sin. Those things are loving. But we cannot claim to be loving to God when we're not interacting with people in that way. That is everything. This is the to-do list. It's kind of um, funny because when, funny I guess, not for me or Jordan, but when you're up on stage, People listen to what you have to say, but there's some other stuff going on in the audience too, right? So, for example, if, uh, if I was up here and I had a button all messed up. That was, that was really good. Yeah. Oh, all of you. It was fantastic. <laughs> like, mm. So let's say I had a button messed up, right? And I'm up here and I'm just like, you need to love Jesus. You guys would be like, you need to straighten out that button. You need to fix that. You, and you would leave here, and you would go to lunch, and you would be like, man, Patrick's button, it was driving me nuts. Like, I could not think about anything else, because his button was all wonky. You would be, that's all you would think about. Six months from now, you'd be like, remember that sermon where Patrick's button was all messed up? I cannot believe that. I didn't hear a thing he said, but his button was all messed up. In fact, there's very few people in the audience with, that would do this, but let's say like, like, uh, like Paul or one of our elders came up and said, Patrick, got to stop you for a second, fix the button. The room would applaud, like, thank you for doing that. Thank you. I'm glad we got that straight now because that was driving me crazy. And then we can get back into the lesson, right? You would, you would just applaud that. Jesus, whenever he walked in the room, when he saw people not being loving, he had to deal with that first. 
In fact, he says in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, if you are offering your gift to God, if you are worshiping God, if you are saying, here, God, here's, look at me how good I am. I'm worshiping you. And I know that sounds a little hypocritical, and I'm not judging your motives, but whatever. If you're saying, here we go, God, here's my worship to you. Here's my offering to you. And you remember that your brother has something against you. He says, first, go and deal with that. Because for Jesus, of primary importance is our loving relationships. And without that, we're missing the point. We're missing the boat. That's the first and foremost thing. And Christians for too long, including me, have felt like we can make up for that in other areas. And you can't. You cannot make up for mistreating, misusing, uh, treating people unjustly. You cannot make, you can, no amount of anything else can make up for that. And that's the first thing Jesus would come up and correct in us. That's what he would correct. That's, that's what matters. That's the big deal. That's the thing to him. Je- loving people is not one of 10 things on our to-do list. Loving people is our to-do list. Loving your husband, loving your wife, loving your kids, loving your neighbor, loving your, your co-worker, loving, loving people. And I know people hear that and they're like, oh, we went to a church today. It was so wishy-washy. He just talked about love. Guess what? Jesus would get up here and that's what he would talk about. Well, and Jesus would actually probably raise the bar even for what we're willing to do. One of the harder truths that we have to encounter is the, the fact that Jesus loves the people we hate. And I know you're like, whoa, we hate people? Jesus loves the people we hate, and that is the truth. I had a, a friend in college who, had, who was several years older than me, and he had been at a church in Abilene, Texas, uh, the week of 9-11. So you remember that day, a horrible day in the history of America. And on that week, he went to this church that was having a prayer vigil for what had happened. And he said that one older guy gets up, to go pray on behalf of the church. And he gets up and he says, God, we pray that Osama bin Laden will come to know Jesus. Right? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Can you, can you imagine the faith to love somebody enough to know that Jesus loves this person? Jesus loves ISIS fighters. And that's hard. Jesus loves LGBT people. And that's tough for us. Jesus loves both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And I know some of you are questioning it, but he does. And Evan McMullen for you, third party people. There you go. go. He loves him. Jesus loves your boss who gives you a hard time. Jesus loves each and every one of your exes. And that's the truth. Jesus loves the people that we cannot stand. And he calls us to do the same thing. That is a hard, hard truth. I was, um, earlier this week, I was reading a story about, uh, out loud to Kareen, a news article about a terrorist attack where the terrorists had done a really poor job and hadn't killed anybody. Um, and, and I'm reading this, and I'm reading this super callously. I'm like, I'm thinking, what an idiot that terrorist is. Didn't kill anybody. Like, what? That's a stupid thing to say. Just stupid thing to say. And, and then as we're reading this, I, you know, I, I said, I think they got the guy. And my wife said, well, they didn't kill the terrorist, did they? And I'm thinking in my mind, well, I hope so. I mean, 
and she's, and she's indicating, she, her question, they didn't kill him, did they? Is like, this terrorist needs Jesus, right? Well, uh, not ter- terrorists don't need Jesus. Let's, let's start making a list of people that don't need Jesus. Who are we going to put on that list? I don't know about my boss. I don't know. I don't know about my, my neighbor. Poof, have you been around that? No, everybody does. And when we say it in such stark terms, it's sometimes tough to swallow, right? People that hate us, he tells us to love. People that want to kill us, he tells us to love. And you're sitting there saying, I don't, I don't know about this. But listen, it, the more you know Jesus, the more you will know that, he, that that's his thing. I want to read one verse of scripture for you. John chapter 15. So it's one chapter over from where you are, hopefully. John chapter 15, where he says this. And th- this has always been fascinating to me. Um, but, but I want to do a, just a quick explanation. He says, John 15, verse 10. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And I see that word commands with the S, plural. Oh, there's all these commands that I've got to keep. And then a few verses later, in verse, uh, verse 12, what, is the, what are these commands? And this is what he says, my command, and it's singular. And I've always felt like, okay, so Jesus wants to keep us to keep his commands. There's like 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 things, right? Uh, but Command, the loved one, is really important. It's really up there. It's the same word in Greek. Commands and command. It's a problem with our English that we can't get it. But this is what Jesus is saying. If you love me, keep my command as as I keep my Father's command. And we struggle with that a little bit. He's talking about one thing. And this is what he says in verse 12. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's what matters. That's what Jesus would get up here on stage and talk about. He says, if you want to know me, this is what I want you to know about me. This is my command. This is my obedience. This is what I'm asking of you. This is what I want you to do if you're going to follow me. That's it. Now, is that difficult? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, wake up and just see how you can do loving people. It's not easy. It is not easy if you take that command seriously. That's why we try to minimize it and do other things. But it's hard, and I want Christians, I want me to stop making this part of my to-do list and make this my to-do list. Just love people. Does that mean always being nice, always saying nice things? No. I mean, that's going to be my struggle because I'm a nice guy, right? But it means sometimes doing difficult things and taking difficult stands, but that's what Jesus would ask us to do. So we've talked a lot this morning about these two things, and I would love, I mean, we can't just have people stand up and share with us, but I would love to hear what some of your uh, things that you would correct, the things that you're learning about Jesus that you would love to change, that you would click your fingers and say, I would love everybody to know this about Jesus. I would love to hear that, or this about church, or this about God. Uh, so come talk to us afterwards. But I think it's important, these, these two things that we're talking about are a pretty big deal, that we know Jesus Not just believe that he existed, not just believe that he was a real person that did things, and those things are important, but that we would learn to know him. And if if we know him, we will know this, that he wants us to love one another, to love our enemies, to love our neighbors, to love our cohorts, to love our in-laws, to love all those people that maybe we struggle a little bit with loving. And that's what it's all about. Um, We're going to wrap up with a word of prayer, unless, George, you have anything else to close us out with? No, the only thing I want to say is that as a church and as the ministers in this church, we make it our priority, and we're going to continue to do this, that every week you show up, you will hear about Jesus. And it's not ever going to become secondary for us. So these things that we talked about today, you will hear again, because they are of the most importance to us. So.
Next week we're going to start a new series, and we're going to still talk about Jesus, don't worry. Um, but uh, the new series is going to be out of the book of Romans, where Paul is talking to people about what it means to be in Christ. And I'm really excited about what that looks like. So I encourage you to come back next week, too. Um, but for now, we're going to wrap up in a word of prayer, and uh, then we're going to be dismissed for the morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven,